Chapter 7 Taking Inventory Everything happens for a reason, and sometimes that reason is that you're an idiot. Chris Patrick Take inventory! A man on the chairlift yelled down as I coasted backward to the bottom of the mountain, my snowboard broken in two. Dazed and confused and in a world of hurt, I was met there by a ski patrol who'd obviously been alerted to the crash. You know where you are? You know your name? You know what day it is? Typical concussion protocol when someone hits an inanimate object at warp speed. Thank God I didn't hit my head. One second before impact, I'd thrown my board up at the lift tower in hopes that my legs could absorb the hit. They didn't. My back did. So while I'd saved myself from certain death with my last-ditch effort, my back was so fucked that I could barely walk. I couldn't even bend my legs enough to get into a car and had no choice but to make a miserable 30-minute ride back home in the bed of Mouse's Toyota pickup truck. As I lay there staring up at the now bluebird sky, the beat-up 85 Tacoma limping back to safety, I knew my snowboarding days were over. Danielle, my girlfriend at the time, was helpful in taking care of me afterward. But I was laid up on the couch for three months straight watching TV. It reminded me of those months when I was awaiting trial and was stuck at home watching a mind-numbing amount of Gilligan's Island. Once again, I felt isolated, alone, and unable to do much about my situation other than to wait it out and feel pissed off. Only this time I was numbing the pain with black market muscle relaxers and a bottle of Absolute Citron a day. It was awful. My back injury plagued me for many years after that too, and each time it flared up, I felt like a sword was being shoved all the way through me. Like being impaled by King Leonidas of Sparta. I dealt with my injury on my own terms though, and didn't go to the hospital until months later. I was told I had broken my ribs, and that there wasn't anything they could do to speed up the healing process anyway. I did, however, use the time that I was down to take inventory of my situation, and I found a lot to be grateful for. I was in pain, but I could walk. I was not paralyzed. My head was in one piece, and I could still think. I had both an awesome girlfriend and a great roommate, Mouse, to look after me. Finally, I even had a business partner who could mind the stores and oversee our employees while I was away. Still, with my back in constant pain, even once I had recovered, snowboarding became a lot less enjoyable. The discomfort and limited mobility put a damper on my whole experience with the sport I had loved for nearly 10 years. The carefree and reckless style that is necessary to fully enjoy snowboarding had been taken away. And things only got worse the following year when I broke my ankle while drunk in house wrestling with a friend and had to take the next six months off from riding altogether. I've said before that everything happens for a reason, and sometimes that reason is that you're an idiot. But seriously, my idiocy worked to my advantage because it was time for a new chapter in my life to begin. And without those accidents putting an end to my snowboarding years, I might still be there now, riding my life away, never growing beyond the tiny snow globe of Breckenridge. As I've expressed before, I don't think it's worth beating yourself up over the failures or fuck-ups in your life. Instead, I believe they should be examined and seen for what they truly are, signs from the universe telling you it's time for something new. Changes Around this time, I'd also started seeing a new girl, Mackenzie. Danielle and I had drifted apart, as couples do, a while earlier. Mackenzie was a massage therapist who worked upstairs from one of my shops. A mutual friend of ours had suggested that we get together because he knew that we both liked to knock one, or two, or three back. So I invited her to go out to the bar one night, and we proceeded to get completely shit-faced. We made this a regular occurrence, and next thing you know, we were dating. 
I loved her sarcastic sense of humor, dry wit, and passion for martinis. I began seeing her as someone I could share my future and drinking habit with. And my future was beginning to take shape. Because I could no longer enjoy snowboarding as I once did, I began to seriously think about moving. What was the point of staying somewhere where it was cold all the time if I couldn't take advantage of the snow? There was only one place I could think to move to, though, and it certainly wasn't cold there. Vegas. The decision did not come easy. I'd lived in Breckenridge for the past decade and built my business from the ground up. Still, I'd been mentally checked out for a while, taking inventory ever since the first accident. I knew it meant going from being a big fish in a small pond to a guppy in the big-ass ocean, but it had to be done. Yeah, it was scary, but I like to take risks, and Las Vegas seemed to be the best place to take a gamble. But that didn't mean I was closing up shop or abandoning Breckenridge. On the contrary, the plan was to expand my businesses. I was growing a brand, creating a chain, building an empire. Sierra and I worked it out. He was to remain in Breckenridge as the in-demand tattoo artist he was and continue running our stores while I went to Vegas to set up more shops. But our ambitions didn't end there. We decided to also take a gamble with the Breckenridge stores by relocating both of them to the highest traffic area in town. It was a move that would triple our monthly rent but would position us as one of the prime retailers in the area. We threw a going away party for me the night before I left town. When barely anyone showed up to it though, I was pretty bummed. I had thought I had tons of friends, but I guess most really saw themselves more as acquaintances that frequented the same bars I did. I didn't know if they were all too drunk to remember to save the date or what, but I was pretty pissed to leave town on such a disappointing note. If anything, it really brought home the message that my time there was indeed over. Lock, Stock, and Barrel It's important when you're at a crossroads in your life to stop and take stock of what's working and what isn't. Then, to plan on ways you can pick up those pieces and move forward. In other words, take inventory. After running my shops for a long while and trying every trick in the book, I came to realize that no matter how many themed balls, cookouts, bowling leagues, and casino parties I threw together, in a town with only 2,000 year-round residents and a limited tourist trade, my earning potential was restricted, unless something changed. This was before the internet had really taken off, and had I been able to set up Jimmy Vegas as an online store, the story may have been totally different. After I crunched the numbers and met with Sierra, we decided that the only way to expand our business was to open more stores. It was both a decision and a direction I'd been excited about. It was the summer of 2001 when Mackenzie, my brother Matt, and I set off for New Horizons. But in between settling down in Vegas and scoping out possible store locations there, I would return to Breck regularly to help with the construction on our new stores. Sierra and I had signed a three-year lease for them, and I wanted to be sure that everything was perfect. Then September came, and tragedy struck. Fall of an Empire The terrorist attacks took the lives of about 3,000 Americans across New York City, Washington, D.C., and western Pennsylvania, while destroying the iconic skyscrapers known as the Twin Towers. The country was suddenly at war. The disaster had far-reaching consequences. Because the 9-11 attacks had been perpetrated through the hijacking of commercial domestic airliners, air travel came to a screeching halt. Tourism dropped to new lows all over the country, and our sleepy little town relied heavily on the tourist trade. As a result, Breckenridge would see almost no visitors for a very, very long time. With our flow of income slowed to a trickle, our grand opening was more like a whimper than a bang. It was devastating. We gave it our all, 
managing to stay open for a few months in hopes the business would perk up after some time had passed, but nothing improved. We kept hemorrhaging money, and since we still owed suppliers and landlords, I had no choice but to close our stores just to stop the bleeding. Had the 9-11 terrorist attacks never happened, this book might be a different one. But they did happen, and looking back, I can't help but notice all the times the universe seemed to be sending me signals or signs that it was time to put Independent Arts and Jimmy Vegas to bed. But because they had been my babies and the source of some healthy cash flow, it took me a long time to accept those messages and move on. It would be a pattern I would repeat later. Sometimes it takes me a while to learn the lesson. I had fallen to an all-time low. I was straddling two states, flat broke and deep in debt. Sierra ended up footing our bills with the help of his tattoo income, and Double Down Enterprises was dissolved. The last months of our business partnership had been very stressful for us both, putting a lot of strain on the relationship and a great deal of resentment between us. It was a sad way to end what had been, for the most part, a very successful partnership and one hell of a run. I hated that Sierra had to pay off my share of our debt. He hated it too. But happily, I was able to pay him back in full a few years later when things improved for me. Sierra ended up moving to San Diego, where he became the reputable and highly sought-after tattoo artist he is today. I'm proud to say that 20 years on, he's still one of my best friends. When you meet and do business with quality individuals like Sierra, it's best to keep the books between you clear and the bonds of friendship and mutual respect strong even if you don't ever do business together again. Relationships like that are something you can take to the bank. With my dreams of being an entrepreneur and building a business empire now crushed, I found myself in a city with a population of over a million people and with no source of income, no car, no connections, and no backup plan. What about you? Have you ever been in the position that I found myself to be at the end of that chapter? It's called rock bottom. Maybe you're there now, and it's why you picked up this book. This is not a coincidence. When I found myself broke and unemployed in Las Vegas, it wasn't my first rock bottom experience, and it wouldn't be my last, but it was about to get very difficult. Not a time I like to look back on often. But I share these experiences with you without shame or embarrassment because many of us have to go through rough times like these before we can make it to the top. And I think it's more helpful to let people know that in life you can sometimes be holding success in the palm of your hand one minute only to watch it slip through your fingers the next. Suddenly, I was back at square one. No, make that square minus one. I'd gone backward and then some. I have two words of advice for you, should you ever find yourself nearing a situation such as this one, or should you be in one now, or should you want to avoid falling into such a situation? Take inventory. If you stop and assess where you are now, you might build a battle plan for your business and may well avoid finding yourself in dire circumstances like I was. For instance, if your business is slipping or can't seem to expand past a certain point, try comparing it to similar businesses, the competition. Is there a cap on how much money a business like yours can typically make? Is there a way you can reimagine it so that you can raise that ceiling for yourself? What can you offer that the competition can't? If you don't have anything that sets you apart, can you think of something that might help you get an edge over your rivals? Does the idea of figuring out something like that excite you? Then great, you probably still have some years left to expand your business. But if the idea of retooling your business makes you cringe instead, it's probably time for something new. In these changing times, some types of businesses can quickly lose their relevance, especially if they rely too heavily on the popularity of a trend, if they are businesses that people can do themselves from home or are ones that can be automated. Is your business based around a trend that's in decline? 
Is it something an amateur can pick up easily and do from home? If it is, it may be time to move on to something else. There are options, however. If your business is something someone can do at home, for instance, you can still work with it depending on what type of business you have. Take what Janice of Jaylee Beauty has done, for instance. She creates video tutorials showing people how to use products she sells. Another smart move that Jen took was to create multiple streams of income by expanding on her brand. How can you expand your brand? My tattoo parlor grew into a piercing and jewelry business and into a clothing business. Jen's makeup tutorials grew into selling beauty products, a manicuring business, and then an apparel business. I know of a hairstylist who expanded from having her own salon to selling her own personalized brand of hair products to creating a salon lighting company. She also teaches hair coloring classes and writes a column on hair coloring for salon and hair product magazines. As long as she is able to keep it up, she has different streams of income to keep her afloat. They all sprang from her original career and expertise, hair color. But if something were to happen to her hands or prevent her from physically going into work, like the pandemic lockdown, she has other avenues of income she can rely on. Take inventory. What do you have in stock? What needs throwing out? What do you need more of? Is there something else you should start selling or providing? Sadly, my businesses could not survive the economic crisis brought on by the 9-11 disaster. In much the same way, people were left to struggle during the global coronavirus pandemic of 2020. One of the reasons why my brand tanked was that my businesses were all tied together at one physical location at a time right before the internet really exploded. If I were to do it all now, I would continue to sell products online, of course, but that wasn't an option at that time. At that time, I was left flat broke and broken in Las Vegas.